0: Welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Christine Worley. Christine is a Filipino-American who was born and raised overseas. She considers herself a third-culture kid. She's currently an events specialist at the Rice University School of Architecture in Houston, Texas. In her free time, she enjoys engaging in cultural activities and getting involved in the community. In Washington, D.C., she was an ambassador for Internations, an expat networking group, and a volunteer math teacher at the YWCA. In Houston, she's a cultural ambassador for the Filipino Young Professionals and was involved with voter outreach for the 2018 midterm and 2020 U.S. elections. She's a licensed Zumba instructor and has led classes in various countries in her five years of teaching. Hello, Christine. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay, so for those who don't know anything about you, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure.
1: So my name is Christine Worley. I'm Filipino-American. I currently live in Houston, Texas, where I work as an events specialist at the School of Architecture at Rice University. Um, I was born in Thailand and raised overseas. Uh, I consider myself a third culture kid, or TCK. Um, which means that I hopped around from country to country. Um, the most I ever lived in one place was five years, and that was Washington, D.C., but I grew up in countries such as Bangladesh, Germany, uh, Philippines, Thailand, and so this has very much informed my identity and my my path, mm. um, and I'm very passionate about the arts and about culture, and I'm currently involved in, in a, a group here called the Filipino Young Professionals of Houston.
0: Oh, wow. So you really are like, a—I mean, you are a a global citizen, you know, you are all over the world. um, But currently in one place. Um, So travel has always played a huge role in your childhood. I mean, how was it living in different countries? I mean, how has that affected your view of the world?
1: Uh, I just have so many more reference points.
0: Uh, my w- worldview
1: is great because I've been exposed to so much. And for that, I really appreciate it. Um, I also have friends all over the world. And I think a broader perspective on things. Um, in terms of my identity, I mean, of course, as a child moving around and having to say goodbye every few years, that you know, that's mm. not the best thing in the world either. And a lot of people who consider joining foreign service or jobs like that, you know, they they do worry about that issue for the kids. But um, yeah, I
0: I mean, I wanted to find out were were friendships, maintaining friendships hard because you were constantly, I mean, you were constantly traveling or moving. Yes.
1: Um, And that's true. But fortunately, I did grow kind of in the age of the, you know, the internet came out when um, I was kind of in my adolescence, so I was able to, and even fax machines, I would fax friends and write, the, you know, just old-fashioned snail mail, mm. and eventually yeah, chatted and used the internet, and then Facebook came along, and uh, connections were reformed. So ultimately, I've been able to stay in touch with a lot of my uh, close friends.
0: Even to this day, you, you, I mean, thank goodness for Zoom, too, and, and all the technology nowadays. Have you been able to do the same, you know, even with the pandemic? Yes. That's awesome. Yes, very much so. So I mean can you tell me what countries may has have made an impact on you um over the years like you know from where you've been to what countries have made the most impact on you
1: Um let's see I mean Thailand is a very special place in my heart because I was born there and I finished my last two years of high school there mm. um so, the, you know, the, the food, I studied a little bit of Thai massage, and took a, cr- a crash course there.
0: Really? Um, How was that? Yes. <laughs> um,
1: the various, just like the beaches, the tourist sites. Um, but it, yeah, it, it is such a beautiful culture. And uh, so that's a, it's a place that made a strong impression on me. Mm. Um, one of my favorite places that I've ever visited is Colombia in South America. That was on my uh, bucket list for a long time. Uh, they have the best fruits in the world. I think it's kind of a very underrated country. A lot of people talk about going to Peru, Machu Picchu, and Argentina. But I, I really love Colombia and
0: the Colombian people. Um, what was it about Colombia that drew you?
1: It's just uh, I had met a lot of Colombians beforehand. I dated a Colombian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of love for Colombia stayed with me. About in the, just the, they, they, they kind of remind me a lot of Filipinos, actually. <laughs> okay. um, so I think I related a lot to that um, and they love to, you know, they love to dance and there's just so much good food and they have such a wide variety of landscapes within the country. So that's what oh, really that's, drew me in.
0: That's very mm-hmm. cool. I mean, is there, besides Colombia and Thailand, has have you met people that you've said to yourself, huh, you know, if you haven't been there, would you like to go? Uh,
1: I mean, I think that that happens a lot to me. I, I mean, very much my my travel path has been influenced by the people I have met. Um, I had Bulgarian roommates in college and ended up going to Bulgaria twice. And wow. I went to a wedding in Peru because I uh, met my my friend in college as well. So I think that has very much informed of where I wanted to go because of my personal connections and, and you know, growing that interest in that country because of the person more mm. than just reading it in a book necessarily.
0: Wow. So you really want to be able to experience it? At, um, yes. Okay. In, as opposed to yes. just reading it in a book. That's so exactly. cool. Um, so you currently work as an event specialist in, oh, for, I'm sorry, you currently work for Rice University?
1: Yes, that's okay. right. At the School of
0: Architecture. School of Architecture. And what does that job entail for you?
1: So, um, I know very little about architecture. I don't have an architecture background, Mm -hmm. um, but I have always been an organizer of some sort in my, uh, various jobs, um, organizing programs or organizing get togethers, uh, as part of an expat networking group in DC, um, in my free time. So it's always come very naturally to me to do so. And so, yeah, uh, the architecture school here is a fairly small one as far as architecture schools go. Mm -hmm. And, um, Pre-pandemic, we did a lot of events, a lot of speakers, um, various reviews for, for when students present their work. And we have to find people and uh, have to coordinate their schedules and put up exhibitions within the school to display work. Um, so it's really anything related to what's going on in the school, That's
0: which awesome. is all Zoom
1: now. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yes. exactly. Hopefully that'll end, you know, sometime soon. Yeah. Yes. that would be awesome. Um, prior to your current job, I read that you worked in tourism in, in Moshi, Tanzania. How did that come about?
1: Yes. So that's actually one of the countries that has also influenced me the most. Um, So I was working at the DC public library at the time. I'd been in DC for about four years at that point. And um, I had grown an interest in sustainable tourism. I had kind of heard this buzzword. I had a friend Mm. working within sustainable tourism in India Mm -hmm. and Uh, George Washington University, in cooperation with the United Nations World Tourism Organization, um, offered this two-week course on um, on tourism and how it relates to uh, development. Mm -hmm. So I was very interested, and I took some time off of work to take this course and get a certificate. And it really opened my eyes to... the potential of tourism and if done well mm. it can uh, really lift up people and because in so many developing countries it is a, such a big contributor of to the GDP yes um and so just really opened my eyes and kind of planted the seed and I learned a lot met some really great people and then one day as I was kind of daydreaming about using this information um I was just looking up jobs and I saw one in Tanzania. I had only ever been to Egypt prior to that at, in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so I was very curious about sub-Saharan Africa. And it was, it's, Moshi sits at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. So it just seemed like a dream. And uh, it was a six month, six month position. And I figured, you know what, I might as well try this. I've got nothing to lose. Um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I have to try. And I really want to get my um, toes wet, um,
0: Wow, well, Christine, so... that's amazing! Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I mean, is it true that you climbed Kilimanjaro? I did. I did. Oh.
1: I climbed with my brother towards the end of my stay in Tanzania. Um, and that's actually part of part of my job was to organize these personalized itineraries, um, which included Kilimanjaro, but also really encouraged a lot of day trips around the area. Um, so that people can really experience a lot of the local culture versus just getting in and out to do the safari or the Kilimanjaro climb.
0: Did you have to train for that in order to actually climb that? Not really. So techn- you don't actually have
1: to be that fit. Um, hmm. it, it definitely helps. But ultimately, uh-huh. I think it really comes down to the altitude and how you react to that, which you only really find out um,
0: when you're up there. in the last few days. Oh, yes, okay, Wow. But there's no
1: technical skills involved and there's quarters that carry your things and cook your meals. So they make it as doable as possible.
0: Oh, cool. And how long did it take you to do this? To climb? Uh, about five days. Five days. Wow. Yes, about four days, like
1: four days basically going up and then one day for the descent.
0: And when you got up there, how did you feel and how, what did you think while you were when you finally got made it to the top?
1: It was so actually I was very affected by the altitude and I had a lot of insomnia and it affected my brother's appetite and another girl had joined us as well. in our group so was just the three of us mm-hmm. and they ended up going ahead and getting to the top peak. And I made it to the third highest place, which is still very high up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it was exhausting. It's liberating. The views are just unbelievably beautiful. Um, you, you start climbing at midnight to do, to do the ascent so that before the sun rises. And so you see the stars so clearly, um, it's, oh. it's an incredible feeling and um wow yeah i it, i highly recommend it for anyone who could could possibly make it out there well why why start at
0: midnight though
1: uh, because it's it's when the sun rises and you're so high up um and then the heat so oh. you want to climb before before the sun is up
0: wow that must mm-hmm. have been was that part of your bucket list to go to climb Kilimanjaro or uh, not really I, because it was part of your job or
1: it was i, I mean I don't know if it was I've never really been much of a like mountain climber or even a huge trekker. I, li- I like to hike leisurely and things like this. This was, this was really a challenge for me. Um, my brother really wanted to do it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't. I definitely wanted to go in safari. I think more than climb Kilimanjaro necessarily, but I- I'm so glad that I did it. It, mm. was, it was such a challenge, and mm.
0: uh, yeah, it that's was great. Amazing. So, was there any other part of Tanzania that spoke to you that you know you wish that you had? I mean, were, was there something else that you wanted to do in Tanzania that you couldn't because of the time or just the opportunity didn't present itself? Um,
1: tra- yeah, travel within Tanzania is, is, you know, kind of not as easy in other, as other countries I've been in. Um, so I didn't see much of the south of it. Um, like where Jane Goodall Jane Goodall does her work is in the kind of south west part of Tanzania, and I would have loved to go there, but it's just it takes time and... Mm. Um, Effort, which I didn't I didn't have that time at that time um but I went on safari a handful of times you know with friends and uh, I made it to Zanzibar twice and to Dar es Salaam and um so and I was able to learn kind of just elementary Swahili which is such a fun language mm. um so I feel like I did actually pack in a lot in that year um wow and I mean would you
0: go back I would, definitely, mm. yes. Are there countries that you've been to already that you would go back to? Um, for or, sure. I okay.
1: uh, So Colombia, as I said, uh, India has had my heart for a long time as well. I've been there twice, and I would go back in a heartbeat. Um, there's, I think, 28 or 29 states in India, and it's all so different, like many other countries have such, you know, different parts to them, including the United States. So I think there is so much more to see
0: mm, yeah yes. i mean it it's amazing that you know you've been able to travel and get to live in these different countries has that sh- i mean I, i'm sure i asked you this before but how do you feel when you come back to the states after living in countries like this
1: it's so i mean it's always a bit of a shock i only spent sort of one year um, of my adolescence, uh, in the States, I went to school here in 10th grade. Hmm. Um, other than that, I was overseas at international schools, kind of living in the expat world and expat communities. Um, so yeah, coming back when you're, when you're in international schools, people kind of have the same worldview. Everyone is naturally different. Um, and Yeah, so there is that culture shock of coming back to the States, even going to college. um, And I remember I went to a fairly white college, University of Richmond in Virginia. And I was just, you know, so I was I remember being on the lookout for brown people, people of color Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I got there, um, because that that was, you know, what I related to and what I uh, wanted to see because I was so used to diversity in my Mm -hmm. my schools. And
0: um, Mm -hmm. it was
1: just so common and natural.
0: Wow. It's yes. funny because when you were talking about, you know, your um, finding diversity and, and actually, like, you know, being in, in part of an expat world, you got, mm-hmm. and then being, um, then coming to the States and seeing, okay, where are, you know, where's the diversity part of this? Um, yeah, it, it it, I'm sure, I'm sure that kind of, like, you know, um not that it clouds it but it it kind of gives you a different perspective of how um you view the world as opposed to other people you know yes
1: um, and I, I mean i do love houston very much it is uh, from what i've seen on billboards and how they tout it it is the most diverse city in the united states so you know i've kind of found a home here because of that aspect of it and if i you know if i'm craving um Persian food, I can find it here if I'm craving, Trinidadian food, Ghanaian food. Uh, there is a restaurant for that here. And I and I do love, I, I really connect to cultures a lot through food, as many people do. So I, yeah. I love that about Houston as well.
0: Yeah, I do as well, as you know. <laughs> yeah. You're I mean, the for, <laughs> for those who don't know, Christine and I are related um, through our moms, um, through, through our moms, like family, so, yes. you know, I do remember when you guys came to New York and stayed with us,
1: or mm-hmm. at least it
0: was um, Eric, your brother, stayed with us, and then I remember my dad waking up, as he did, 6 a.m., and seeing Eric walking out the door, and he's like, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to go into the city, and I was like, what? it's 5 a.m. He's like, yeah, I know. I was like, do you know how to, I said, like, yeah, I know how to use the train, <laughs> like, and my dad was just like, Okay, then, you know, it's like because you guys were taught, I think, from an early age, you know, because you've been traveling so much, you kind of had to figure out how to get around. You know, yes. I mean, either by with your parents or by yourselves over the years. And I thought, I mean, my dad was quite impressed and, and, <laughs> and taught and, and actually told us that, you know, when everybody woke up, because we were like, where'd Eric go? It's like, oh, he went into the city. Apparently, he knows how to, how to maneuver the trains. I'm like, OK, <laughs> that sounds yes, good. It does, it does
1: lead to a very, you know, to be being very resourceful and being very adaptable, and I, I am comfortable in new environments because of my my upbringing, and um, we often you know even thrive in them. So, mm. which I think is which I
0: which I think you know really speaks to how your parents raised you, and you know not to yes. uh, to be able to adapt and not to fear being in a different country you know because at the end of the day we're all the same (laughs) we all love food we all love to eat we all love to you know the same values that people actually do that do have so you know uh, it's unfortunate that you know there's so many who don't think the same um but that's another that's another thing (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's another podcast podcast, yeah so if, if there was an experience that you could point to that changed your life. What would that be? Ooh. <laughs> um.
1: Let me think about that. So the, I I mentioned earlier that I joined the Filipino Young Professionals here in Houston, and that was kind of a a life changing thing for me because because part of growing up overseas in different countries, and moving around so much, um, it you know, you do assimilate in so many different cultures. And I I remember being a kid in, in the International School of Manila and, and just um, declaring that I was an American. I was an American and I kind of denied my Filipino side and mm. trying to str- struggling with identity and struggling with where I belong and um, being informed by so many different cultural values. And so I joined this group about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we do traditional folk dances from the Philippines and we eat a lot of food together and um, do presentations in various places like Asia Society. Um, I did a presentation there about Filipino food and it's really drawn me closer to, you know, to my roots, mm-hmm. um, which I think I kind of didn't delve into for a very long time. And so, I've you know, I talk about it with my grandma who's here and my mom and mm-hmm. um, learning more about there, my heritage and my even my ancestry, and um, so that has been quite life changing for me, and that it's kind of shifted my focus towards something that has been there all along, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm only coming home to now.
0: Was that? Um, I mean, how did you get drawn to FYP? I mean, was that something that you like? Something in you? There's something in you. Say, okay, you know. I'm a little curious about this. Maybe I should try it. Or was there... a? It's
1: It's a funny story. So I've I've always loved dance. Dance has been a huge part of my life. I'm a Zumba instructor. I've just loved it for fun. Um, So one of my best friends, she's also Filipino-American. I went to school with her in the Philippines. Uh She uh, grew up with this girl in the Philippines uh, named Sarah. Mm -hmm. And Sarah ended up going to Rice University and staying and living in Houston and Sarah uh, was part of this FYP organization and would post on Instagram, and so she's friends with Maria.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Maria would see these posts, and Maria knew that I moved to Houston, that I kind of needed a group, that mm-hmm. I needed friends, um, and so shared this post with me. And so it was that kind of mutual, again, kind of that mutual connection from childhood, with mm-hmm. moving around, and. Um, I checked out one practice, and they were doing tinikling, and they were so welcoming, as most all Filipinos I've ever met are, (laughs) and um, I knew I had found my people, and they've also been the community, I'm really big on finding a community, and that being a really big source of joy and uh resilience in my life and especially during the pandemic we've we've done you know constant zoom hangouts and mm. um uplifting each other um cooking tutorials with each other so oh, cool they've been a great community for me.
0: That's yeah. awesome cooking tutorials. <laughs> That's really yes. cool. I haven't done that yet. I would love to do that. So Yeah <laughs> that'd that'd be awesome. be a good idea. So if I were to ask you, do you have a personal goal? currently
1: personal goal currently um I would like to start a a proper writing habit (laughs) I want I also I want to tell stories and um I mean you being a writer yourself for many years I I, I might just draw inspiration from you but it's something that's been in the back of my mind and I've always been drawn to storytelling in its various forms and I um, have always kind of doubted my inner voice of my ability to tell stories. And so I've, I've been very curious about that. And I really want to delve into that, um, more and more in the coming years.
0: That would be awesome. I mean, for someone Mm -hmm. like you who has done so much and traveled so much, you have a lot to say. (laughs) I I would think you, you of all people would have a lot to say from culture to food to connections made, you know, that would be Mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, I, think I mean, as, as, as we were talking
1: about earlier, everyone has a story to tell. Absolutely yes. everyone. And I, le- I learn from everybody I meet in some way, shape or form. And so, you know, why not? Why not me to, to try and start telling some stories?
0: Yeah. And you could possibly inspire others to do the same, you know, right. just by putting it out there. Oh, yes, that would be very exactly. Cool. Oh, <laughs> so for FYP, what are your goals for the community that you're involved in?
1: Um, just to stay connected. We, we do a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of charity events. We um, volunteer at the food bank. We give away scholarships. I am currently the dance captain this year of oh, the dance cool. team. So to find out more innovative ideas of what we can incorporate, maybe do, we do, you know, some various dances, Spanish, rural, Muslim. And so maybe incorporate more, more of the lesser known dances of the Philippines and um, kind of highlight more of what the Philippines has to offer would be uh, a goal of mine.
0: That's really cool now, yeah. do you think you would ever um take those what what you've learned the dances you've learned and and if we're well when when we're done with the pandemic like bring it to the Philippines or bring it to a different country and introduce it that way? That's a
1: really good question i mean i I, I do love connecting through dance and I think it is a universal language um I remember teaching zumba a zumba class to the to the ladies in um, the village that we worked with in Tanzania near Moshi, that um, about an hour outside of Moshi, and just seeing this—like I did—you know, some East African music, and it just—it needed no translation. They just knew to move and to follow the moves. And
0: wow. um,
1: so, I would love to introduce this Filipino dance and music to to wherever I end up. Yes, absolutely.
0: How was that? You know, doing Zumba. In Tanzania, <laughs> what, what, that's, that's like something that I couldn't even like, wouldn't even have thought of doing and, and yet it sounds really awesome. Yeah,
1: it's it's allowed for some really awesome opportunities much like that, that day and then um, I've also been able to teach uh, Zumba in my mom's hometown in the Philippines in Lingayen. I went back for a visit about three years ago and she put me in touch with a congressman that she knew through a classmate. And he does these he does these like 5 a.m. Zumba classes on the boardwalk in Lingayen.
0: No way. And
1: (laughs) I got up on stage and I taught a Zumba class. And it was like it's it's a a dance has has opened so many um, avenues and opportunities for me to connect with people, to inspire people. Um, So I will always be thankful for for dance in my life.
0: That's awesome. And so what do you think the future holds for you?
1: Um, that's a great question. I, I hope more adventure. I, I I really believe in just, you know, being a tourist in your own city, even, um, especially, I mean, the, the pandemic didn't teach us anything else. It's, it's to really open your eyes in a new way and see what's around you. And, um, to always, uh, just pay attention to the little things Mm. and to tell stories, to constantly express myself, whether through stories or dance, to connect with other people, um, Wow. And to always, yeah, give back to my community in some way, shape or form. Um, mm-hmm. I want to take on more of a leadership role somehow in uh, my career. I don't know what that looks like just yet. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Kind of still figuring it out. But that's, yeah. I think
0: that's beautiful. I think that's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, if there's, what would you, where do you think you see yourself in five years? I mean, I mean, you've already said travel, and and I think would it be the same thing that you've said before or something um, else? That's always been a, a yeah. It's been a hard question for me. Um,
1: as I sometimes I even have hard, it's hard time picturing where I'll be in you know six mm. months or mm-hmm. one year. I'm always I've i always had this kind of restless nature. Um, after being in a place for you know three or four years. So I imagine i I can see myself living overseas, um, being involved with something I love, whether it's through dance or food or um helping women or refugees mm. um, or sustainable tourism, even I, I you know I still have so much respect and interest in that field. Um, mm. So I can see that being the case where exactly I don't know, and
0: yeah, yeah kind okay, of taking well, it day by day. <laughs> That's great. I, I mean, you said it's because of restlessness. Is it restlessness, or is it just because you want to see what else is out there that you might not even have seen yet?
1: I th- Yeah, I think it's a bit, definitely a bit of both. I'm, I'm very just naturally a curious person, and um, when I go to a country, I really want to experience it like a local. I don't, um, because anyone can travel, but, you know, what does it mean to travel well and to to travel sustainably and responsibly. It's learning bits of the language. It's um, going to local markets and um, a lot of studying sustainable tourism and going on trips by myself or with close friends has has taught me this. And so, yeah,
0: you're Mm -hmm. right. It
1: is kind of just wanting to experience something new and something totally different from from my comfort zone.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I've traveled quite a bit as well, and I always felt like, you know, my way of connecting is through food, um, Mm -hmm. you know, being a big foodie and, and just like hoping that someone will, you know, will tell me, okay, yeah, this is what you should, you know, don't, 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 um, don't eat that, eat something that's a little more out of the ordinary because that's where you really see like, you know, how they're made and the, the, The love and care behind it and you know then you get to talk to people who actually eat this every day or make this Mm -hmm. every day and then you realize you know it's not just bread it's you know it's where it comes from it's the stories behind it it's the culture behind it and so for me it's always been something that I've connected with and and like you you know it's like this is I hope to do the same, you know, and, and I love that you're still, you know, you're still willing to explore. You still want to explore. And there's, right. there's always going to be that, you know, kind of that that mentality, which I wish that most people would do that. You know, I really wish that more people would be that way because being in one country, you know, for quite a long time, you kind of get, I don't know, maybe comfortable too comfortable yes and then you yes. don't realize that you know right outside maybe not even that far away but if you try it once and then you continue then you see geez you know there's so much out there you absolutely
1: know? so I mean like you said food is a perfect gateway to just you know, you know spiking your curiosity mm-hmm. if you're going to a different restaurant in your city or something like that and
0: but it's the same um, thing with you for dance because dance is very exp- expressive and mm-hmm. you were a- you've you been able to have people actually connect with you through dance which is yes. quite amazing you know whether yes. you know the language or not you know, I was like people move <laughs> you know they yes. know how to move
1: <laughs> people move and there there's dance and in every culture there's a there, there's a show uh, led by a woman I think it's called Barefoot Barefeet Traveler or something hmm. um, but she goes around she's like a travel host but focuses on on specifically dance and different cultures and, and that's how she connects uh to people on her show um wow and i, I just that that's kind of my dream job <laughs> oh that's awesome
0: so, yeah wow, i i you know that's awesome is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners
1: um this <laughs> is i mean i i think women are you know some of the most incredible resilient creatures on this planet i um value my my female friendship so highly um so I think this is a really sacred and special place to tell to tell these stories and mm. to lift up women and inspire other women and so I, I'm very thankful for you do to do the doing this uh-huh. and telling people's stories and I'm honored to be here among the ranks of many really wonderful women that you've already interviewed and will interview um, so thank you so much
0: oh thank you I have so I always ask my guests this question which is yes. if you could go back in time. What would you tell your younger self? Oh gosh. Hmm. <laughs> um, let me see. You've had a whole life of travel, Miss. <laughs> you know. Yes. And, and, you know, but I always wonder how people would respond to that question. And I love the answers because, you know, it, it really speaks to where they are now, you know? Right. So. I think,
1: um, I think it'd be something like it's okay to be alone or there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. I think it took me a long time to be okay to really be by myself and traveling, you know, can be lonely. And I, um, I have an uh, unconventional path in that, and I'm not currently married. I don't have any kids. I don't have pets. I, you know, I'm not just really tethered to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, traveling moving around so much can get lonely. Um, but once you sort of embrace that solitude and embrace your own company and, and embrace yourself and what you have to offer, it's a really beautiful thing. And like, I, I really love basking in my own company and going on dates with myself and, mm-hmm. um, but I think it took me a long time to get to that that point. So I think I would yeah, I would tell my younger self that like it's it's okay to be alone and to to embrace yourself.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Thank yes. you so much for that. Thank <laughs> you for saying that. I mean, so many people, you know, don't realize or don't know how to be comfortable with themselves. And I love that you said that. That's really mm-hmm. that's very that's really awesome. <laughs> So, and also, yeah. can I? I
1: don't know if I can add one more sure. bonus thing, um, but that it's never too late. Um, like to to stay connected. I mean, I guess I'm telling my younger self to stay connected to my inner child, but um, to to never stop being curious, never stop exploring, um, because I mean, even in my adult life now, I, I just started taking Arabic. Um, a few. Uh, like a year and a half ago through Rice University, and I started acting again through the Rice plays. and That's it's something that had been passion, language had been passion of mine, and uh, theater has. And um, it's just never too late to sort of take that up again or to, tr- to try something new or try a new hobby. Um, wow. And I, I just, yeah, I think age is not a determining factor in that at all.
0: I love that. Age is not a det- determining factor. <laughs> and Arabic? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I mean, isn't that a very difficult language? It is. It is. <laughs> and there's
1: so many, you know, various dialects of it. There's a kind of like the modern, there's the standard one, which you hear in the news and in academia. And there's also the ones you just that are more colloquial in every single country. Mm-hmm. So that definitely makes it a little bit more complicated. But it's, um, I love the writing. And uh, I've always been curious about the language, just never formally studied it until recently
0: so wow. it's been a fun journey that's awesome that's really awesome yeah. well, christine thank you so much for spending the time with me and and you know like telling us your story and telling us about your life and where you are now i wish you luck with the future travel you know when it starts up again and i hope you know that we'll get to hear more about your travels Yeah, you know, the next time and you can come on and let us know what you're about what you're up to
1: Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I can't wait to listen to to all the other women's stories.
0: Great. Thank you. Have a good one. (laughs) All right. You too. Bye. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Christine Worley on RevWomen.com. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Women. You can listen to Revolutionary Women on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash